This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's Jan here. You are listening to the Langpreneur podcast and in today's interview we are talking to Idausa Ness from the Mimic Method. So Idausa grew up in the US only speaking English and then when he was 18 he made his first solo trip overseas. He learned Spanish, uh, later also Mandarin and Portuguese, and he developed his own learning methodology called the Mimic Method that he later also turned into an online business. And since then, he has helped thousands of people from all over the world to improve their accents in a foreign language. Now, that Idausa is a genius when it comes to music and accent training might not be new to you. But do you know that he is also a real master when it comes to online marketing? Surrounding himself with successful people who he admires has been one of the main strategies that he has been using to gain all that business wisdom that he has acquired over the years. So in this interview, we are going to share some of his best insights, um, all the lessons learned, not all of them, but the best lessons learned building his uh, online business and also networking with all these high level guys and uh, yeah some of really high <laughs> some really high level online entrepreneurs so this is yeah this is going to be a very interesting interview um, i really enjoyed this interview a lot so make sure to pay attention so if you guys are ready then let's get started here is my interview with Idao Sanes. Hey Idausa, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with languages, how you started the Mimic Method. Yeah. Oh man, so much. So yeah, my name's Idausa Ness. Um, from the US, where I grew up speaking only English. And then when I was uh, 18, I traveled to Mexico, my first time abroad on my own as an adult. And um, that's where I learned my first foreign language in Spanish. And several years later, after learning Chinese and Brazilian Portuguese, I came up with my own um, learning technique and methodology called the Mimic Method. Turned that into an online business. Um, and yeah, here I am couple, you know, several years out, and the business is growing. I have a team, um, growing fans and audience and students and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that's the basic, the basic thing. The premise of what we do is we teach you how to flow in any language. So that got kind of experience we all strive for in a conversation where, you know, you, you're really bonding with somebody, you lose track of, uh, you're, you know, you lose a sense of self, a sense of time. Things are effortless. Things are more rich and deep and meaningful. That experience, um, I've come to understand that flow experience. That's where people really connect with each other. And our mission at the Mimic Method is the, Help people connect with people around the world by putting, helping them get into that flow, be it in Spanish, French, Portuguese, or um, even we, we now have new courses as well in like um, facial expression and body language. And so really, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the broader context of human communication and, and movement and musicality and all that kind of good stuff. So that's, that's what I do. So I can go into any of those areas in more detail. But that's the, the top level overview. Cool. T 
tell us a little bit about when you got started like what inspired you to start your own business like do you know that it was possible to start an online business or how did you get started with mimic method sure so actually um when i was a kid i'd say the defining feature of my background was boredom i grew up in like american suburbia and i was like oh god get me out of here like the whole time uh, i know i have i love my family and i have lots of friends and whatnot but just you know I was always enticed by the exotic and my parents would take us on trips every once a year, like once a year. And I'm like, Ooh, and I really like this foreign country and whatnot. So I'll just, when I was um, applying to universities in my mind, I was like, Oh, well, I don't really know what I want to do. I just want to make sure I can travel. So I originally went to a university to study like international affairs and diplomacy. Um, as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, I really don't like politics and any of this stuff at all, but whatever, I'm just going to party and have fun for a bit. Uh, then I studied abroad in China my sophomore year, and while I was in China, um, I read the Tim Ferriss book, 4-Hour Workweek, and yeah, and then I remember actually very, very vividly, I was, because my brother was living in China, and he had the book, and I was um, laying on his bed. Now, I had been there for a month already um, prior to the Chinese program, and I had got introduced to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I was training with people every day, uh, I was living this crazy life in China. And it was really kind of like a cool time for me, just doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. Where and were you? Where about in China? Where are you, by the way? Be Beijing, Beijing. In Beijing. And it was, okay. yeah, it was actually during the Olympics too, that 2008. So there's all this crazy stuff going on in China. And I was like, oh man, this is great life. And, and then I read 4-Hour Workweek. And it was the first time I became aware of a mode of living, like a lifestyle, that was perfectly matched to what I had always been you know desiring and fantasizing about since i was a kid and the idea in that book is not so much the idea of like not working so much as the title implies but more just being like having the freedom to travel um design the way you wanted to live your life and what you did and um prior to that i never really thought that much about business or entrepreneurship um you know i thought of business as a very kind of like you know like, oh there's a lawyer a doctor and a businessman and he has a building and an office you know like whatever when I read that, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I do, what I want to do. And I was laying on my brother's kind of bed reading it. And I remember kind of the logical conclusion I drew was that, oh, therefore, there's no reason for me to apply myself anymore in school because <laughs> it has nothing to do with this goal. And I remember like writhing back and forth on my bed being like, therefore, I need to, there's no reason for me to do anything I'm doing right now. And then just kind of shattered all my because I was, really, I was pretty good at school at the time and like was always kind of focused on that so once that was seed was planted that was the first time i was like all right no matter what i have to do i have to go after this um so then several years later i you know i graduated university um only because my first two years i had good grades the last two years i stopped going to class and like i failed everything but it balanced out in the end and then um i went to i decided i wanted to go to brazil because i was super intrigued by the country um, so I just went there, I studied, um, I, um, was really into Brazilian music, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I wanted to learn Brazilian Portuguese. So I went to Brazil mostly as a proof to myself that I was able to thrive. I'd be able to survive and hopefully thrive in an environment where there was no, you know, school system. There's no parents to hold you. You know, I, I worked a bunch of random jobs and saved money and I just went there and it was while I was in Brazil studying music and jiu-jitsu and learning Portuguese that I had this insight that, ah, what's holding people back in learning language 
based on my experience seeing people in Mexico and in, in China and Brazil, what's really holding people back is the pronunciation and the hearing. They don't actually know how to move their mouth and come into the flow of the, the other people. Um, no one's attacked that issue. And, but you can teach it because it's just movement. And I've, I'm a musician. I grew up playing violin. I was studying different instruments in Brazil. And all these things had it came together in my head. And I was like, oh, you can teach people how to play the instrument of their mouth this, using the same techniques we use to teach people how to play the instrument of the violin or the Brazilian djembe or whatever. Um, and not only that, you can teach it in a systematic way that can be potentially digitized online. And then I can use that to achieve that Tim Ferriss-like vision of making money online and traveling the world. So that all kind of converged in my head one day, like on a bus in Rio de Janeiro. Um, and then um, that was the beginning of the idea, but it wasn't until like a year or so later that I actually did something with it and put stuff online. I think it's very interesting that you mentioned a four-hour work week because it was actually for me, it was back in 2009, 2010, I also spent a year or two years eventually in China. Um, and mm. it was like someday in, I think it was 2010, I was in Korea and I also picked up the four-hour work week there. And that was <laughs> also for me, that was like the starting point. It was like the book that really changed my, oh, for sure. my so career people, plans. For sure. It's a very similar story. And the years after that, they actually also spent half a year in Brazil. So there's quite a lot of parallels there. <laughs> very interesting. Um, I spent most yeah. of my time in, uh, in Belo Horizonte. Um, but yeah, so you had this idea. You were in Brazil. You had the time, I guess. Um, so what did you do to get started? Like, How did you validate the idea? Or how did you get traction from the beginning? Like, Where do you start? You have this idea of creating this system, this method. But... And then, what, what, what's the next, what was the next step? Yeah, so what happened was, actually, I was studying percussion in Brazil, and then one day, after, like, a drum lesson, I was on the bus, and then I had this, this crazy, like, epiphany moment, where, like, every single moment of my life kind of converged, and I was like, wait a minute, and then I kind of <laughs> sprinted home, and what I did was I took um, Brazilian songs and, um, and English songs, and I transcribed them into their, like, specific sounds and movements, broke them down into syllables and then the rhythmicality of it. And then I ran out into the street and then started getting like random Brazilians on the street and like random foreigners on the street. And then I would do this process where I clap my hands about, okay, just bear with me, repeat after me. <laughs> and then like people are like, and like teaching the syllables, I build them up bit by bit. And then after like a little 10, 15 minute interaction, um, I'd have these Brazilians singing these American songs with a perfect accent. And I have these like foreigners singing these Brazilian songs with a perfect accent. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, it works. So that immediately I kind of validated the core idea that you can apply these musical techniques to learning a foreign language. On the streets um, of Brazil. On the streets of Brazil. You just got to go right out there and, you know, interact with the people. And then, um, but then I didn't do anything for a while because I was just kind of like, you know, lazy and, and, and like afraid to like do stuff. And uh, so the next kind of turning point, I started to formalize things. I started to make a bunch of little um, I started experimenting with stuff on like SoundCloud for, you know, recording stuff and leaving comments for feedback. I started kind of experimenting with like different prototypes of things. Um, but you know, as a lot of people I'm sure listening do is they spend a lot of time, way too much time, um, behind what I now call the impact barrier. Um, so, you know, whatever your dream you have, it, it ultimately involves you having some sort of impact on the external world. Um, but 
having impact is scary because you're making impact and it hurts sometimes. So um, what we tend to do is we like stay behind the impact barrier and like tinkering around in the garage forever and ever. So I had that phase where I was like, oh, and then I can do this and this and this. And then, you know, marginal returns and things started slowing down. Um, what happened was I think a year later, um, I was in Colombia. I was in Cali, Colombia. There was one, there's only all my friends at the time were like, you know, we graduated university. Uh, you know, they're either like in graduate school or medical school or like working as consultants or, you know, kind of normal jobs. And I didn't know anybody who was living that four hour work week life routine, Paris kind of thing. Um, there's, and, um, you know, I'm a pretty, you know, not, I don't really go with the, 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 the group too often. So I was semi comfortable being like the only person doing what I was doing. But at the same time, I was the only person doing what I was doing. Now there's one guy I knew. I met him in China. His name was Fabian. And, um, he's this Caribbean dude. Whoever I saw on Facebook, he'd be like in a different part of the world and like, there'd always be like really attractive girls with him, like in the background of his photos. I'm like, man, who's this guy? Like, <laughs> what's this guy's life about? Like, what's he do? And I didn't really know what he did. Um, so I hit him up one day and I was like, Hey man, like, what are you up to this year? And he said he's going to Colombia. Um, and I was like, Hey, if I come out there, can we like potentially like live together and get a place? He's like, yeah, for sure. So, um, I started working random jobs again. I was like working as a cashier at Zara and like, uh, like a opening a gym at like 5 a.m. every Columbia. day. And like, was that? W- were these like local jobs in Colombia? Sorry, no, I was in, um, I went, I went, I was back in the U.S. Oh, you were back. So, okay. Yeah, like yeah. with like no money and stuff. So I was back in, and I was like sleeping on my friend's couch in D.C. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then waking up every morning to open this gym as the receptionist at like 5 a.m. And then at noon, I'd, I'd head over to Zara and like work as a cashier mm-hmm. until like 9 p.m. Then like wash, rinse, and repeat. Yeah. But it's cool because I was just stacking money for my Colombia trip. Yeah. So I went to, I didn't know what the guy did. All I knew is that like, he's the only guy I know who's living the life I want to live. So mm-hmm. let me just place myself next to him ah. and then figure out the rest. Whoa. So yeah, I got there and we're in Cali, Colombia, little place, you know, living cheaply, getting like nice little lunches, you know, uh, almuerzo ejecutivo, that's what they call it. They like three bucks for this big meal with like beef, rice and plantains and all that kind of stuff. And we sit there for these long lunches and just like talk about life. I got knew more about how he did his things and whatnot. Um, and then one day he was, we were like, yeah, I got this product, but how do I get it out there? And he's like, I don't know. Have you looked up in like language learning blogs? And I'm like, no, I guess I haven't. And then, uh, this is 2011. And then we just search Google search, like language learning blog. And then of course, uh, fluent in three months comes up with Benny Lewis. Uh, and I was like, I was like, I was like, who's this Irish guy? Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's like, you know, and, I was, and uh, I saw he was, you know, having lots of traction on his website. Mm. So then I was like, um, I, I was aware of this concept of a guest posting. Mm-hmm. And I read some article about, you know, people who have websites, they're looking for good content all the time. So mm-hmm. if you reach out to them with an idea for a good post and you can save them that week on scheduling. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. So I emailed, I emailed Benny and I was like, Hey, I have an idea for a blog post on how to how to freestyle rap in a foreign language. Are you have any interest? And he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I had this video I made from Brazil a year earlier where I was like, you know, I, I discovered this um, freestyle rap cipher group in a park in Rio, mm-hmm. and I learned how to like freestyle in Portuguese while I was there. And I had a video of me doing it and other people doing it. And then I broke down like this thing. So I wrote this, like, this guest post on his site, mm-hmm. and then the call to action of the guest post is like, if you find this interesting, my idea is interesting, um, come 
sign up for this free mini course I made mm-hmm. in um, Spanish or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then got a, you know, got a bunch of email signups, like probably a couple hundred. And then people went through this little free mini course I made using like, a, like I think Weebly, like some, you know, drag and drop website builder. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any technical ability. I had like a netbook. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if anyone remembers those like little tiny netbooks. They're like $200. Uh, and yeah, I built, I built this little mini course on it and people were like, wow, this is dope. I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, can I like buy something from you? And then I was just terrified of putting myself out there for like any kind of money thing. So I was doing stuff for free. Yeah. And I remember one day this guy like emails me and he's like, he's like, look, man, I really like your stuff. I'm really trying to learn Chinese or whatever. Uh, can you, uh, can you like please teach me Chinese? How much would it be? And then I was like, oh, no, like, what do I do? And then I remember I sat down, I wrote this email reply, and I was like, yeah, I'll do like a less, I'll do like a thing for uh, $100, right? I'll try, I, first of all, I spent like three hours <laughs> looking at that email, just yeah. just like writhing in pain, like, oh, my God, how much should I charge, you know? And then I remember I put $100, and I was like, no, that's way too much. He's going to laugh in my face. I'm such an idiot. And then, and then I was just like, you know, like, Screw it, do it, and I pressed the send on the email after like literally, literally hours of deliberation and just like losing my mind. And I remember I pressed send, and I was at this cafe. And I pressed send, and then I was like, "No, how do I, how do I undo it? Oh, it's too late!" No. <laughs> and then like, he's like, he's gonna be like, I was imagining him be like, "How dare you? Hundred dollars out of you, out of your mind, you know?" And then like, and it was hundred dollars li- for what? For a course or for one lesson or? I think it was just like it was just like a lesson or something. Okay. I can't remember, but it was, cause I didn't have a course yet, especially yeah. not for Chinese. And uh, he just took my free course and he really liked it. Mm. And then I was just like expecting, like you know, tomorrow to get some email, like, "Dear Yudalsa, you are an idiot, and I hate you." You know, mm. and like, and then literally within the minute, like thirty-five seconds later, uh, I get an email from PayPal and it's like, "This guy has sent you a hundred dollars." And then I was like, "I was like, what?" And then I remember I was like, "I was like, I ran back to uh, the apartment." My friend Fabian was there. You know, he's a much older guy. He's been in the game for a while. And I was like, I was like, I was like, yo, Fabian, somebody just paid my black ass a hundred dollars to teach him Chinese. <laughs> like, what the yeah. fuck? You know, and like, you know, and like, and uh, and I was just like shocked. And then I remember very clearly him sitting like on his bed, like working on some stuff. And he was like, and he, he was just completely not surprised. He's like, yep, that's how it starts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then that was the very beginning. And you know, so you know, I. I've helped actually a couple of friends get their first online sale and I've come to realize is that once again with that impact barrier thing that like you just need to get to that point as quickly as possible. It's always terrifying to put yourself out there the first time. But then once you do, like I'm like, I'm not even getting out of bed for anything less than like, you know, five times that much for things nowadays, you know? So like it's it's uh you just need to clear those psychological hurdles. So yeah, that was the beginning of it. And from there, I was like, boom, now I had, a, I had the confidence and motivation. Every day I was waking up and I was recording this content, putting it up there and made my first Spanish course called The Flow of Spanish, where no grammar, no vocab. You just learn how to sing and rap Spanish song with a perfect accent. And with that ability, you can mimic and flow with any you know Spanish-speaking country. And then, yeah, once again, hit up Benny Lewis for like the launch, email the list I already had, and then that's when the business really started. Yeah, it's really interesting because most people, you know, when they think about building an online business, they think about having a perfect plan and having a website and having a blog, having lots of traffic and having a solid product. Um, but the only thing that you had was really just 
an idea and well access to Benny in this case and um, well and I guess you created this mini course right so there's really like the minimum the minimum minimum amount of things that you need in order to start a business right what I was wondering is like this older your friend the guy that you were living with what was his name Fabian again what, what, was, yeah, he, what was he doing I mean was was he already successful in online did he already have a uh, successful online yeah, actually, business? Yeah, his, his thing is, but he, he wasn't actually doing online business. He was, um, I think he actually had something like that in the background, but really what he was doing, he's like a, um, kind of manages investments and whatnot. So he travels the road a lot and then meets with people uh, with, you know, capital and investors and whatnot and then finds yeah. different projects. Like, you know, like, you know, for example, in Colombia, I know recently there was some project to build like solar wind farms or whatever. Yeah. And then he knew investors in China. Um, so he connects investors in China and then gets percentages on the contract. So yeah, yeah, his stuff is, his stuff is very different from, you know, what I was doing. It's not so much online stuff, but mm -hmm. the same principles kind of applied where, you know, it's all about establishing a network and offering people value and mm -hmm. putting things together. Yeah. What did you do in order to keep getting traffic to your website? I mean, you wrote that blog post. Was that enough to, to get enough traffic for, like the next few years, or what do you know do in order to get traffic? Yeah, so I did that many list blog post, and then um, another thing I did after that was I had this idea for this video I wanted to make on YouTube of me rapping in uh, eight different languages. Yeah, I and remember, just, remember yeah, watching that video. Yeah, and that was just kind of like a little creative spark I had at the time, and then I put it out. And then what that did was because it was interesting content, um, it gave me more reason to reach out to other people. So like you're saying, for mm. example, the access to Benny Lewis, I didn't have access to Benny Lewis until I had access to Benny Lewis. Mm. I just emailed him through the same contact form everyone else does. Um, the difference is I emailed him with something that would be of value and interest yeah. to him and the people he's trying to serve. Yeah. Um, and then once I delivered on that value, then a relationship is established. And then we've built that relationship since then. Like, you know, he stayed at my aunt's house and like I've done some for buddies now. Mm. But, um, but anyways, so, you know, so once again, you make, you make some content that people are going to be interested in. And then I hit Benny Lewis up again when I made that. And I was like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I want to have like, I want to be able to post this. I think it was a, it was his website that that video was posted on. Mm -hmm. So he had, that was a value we offered him. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I was guest posting on things that were not just language related, but on a wider, a wider conversation, like, um, I work on markmanson.net. Mm -hmm. I had met Mark Manson at a business conference. Yeah. And um, who's Mark he Manson? Was for the people who don't know. Him. He's he's the author of this book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, you might have seen it at airports. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, before he got success in you know traditional publishing, he was um the number one um like number one personal development blogger. So the highest traffic in that. So I met him kind of randomly in Thailand, um, him and his girlfriend, like at a cafe or whatever. And then his, his, his wife is Brazilian. So we're speaking Portuguese. And then once again, I had something that I could, uh, like give, I had an idea for a post. So I had all these different things in personal development and language that created these guest posts. And then our own content would start to rank a bit more on organic search as a result of the authority that the other sites gave. Um, and then affiliate stuff as well. So, because our stuff deals with pronunciation and um, accent, it's it's very unique and niche. So other people's language programs, you know, it doesn't directly compete with it. So they yeah. have an incentive to affiliate market our stuff and get a commission. 
so that's a big that's a big post of things um so yeah and then um you know we've done different stuff with paid media but you know we started off simply just with outreach and getting people to write about us and direct their audiences toward us you know getting on podcasts like we're doing right now um that's that's kind of what i know is a a way to start yeah. but once again the way you do that is actually having something interesting and valuable to offer to people yeah. in our audiences yeah let me just recap uh, the first part of the interview for all our listeners so yes Langpreneurs, if you're listening now i think there are a few big lessons to be learned here number one choose a niche and we we've talked about this many times here on the podcast and all the interviews um I, Idasa chose something very, instead of just teaching languages in general, just teaching Spanish, he really came up with a unique idea to um, teach languages through mimicking by learning the sounds. And that's really something that has helped him also when he reached out to Benny, for example, be different when you reach out to people, um, either for a blog post, for example. Um, there's no need to create a website yourself that gets lots of traffic, but you can also leverage um, other websites. And uh, Idaosa did that, um, well, by reaching out to Benny, for example. Idaosa, do you think there are any other, like, main, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd say underneath all of that for sure is um, having a conversation with your audience and with your customers, um, opening up that line of communication um, is that—that's the channel through which the good ideas come um, and the good inspiration comes. Um, so, you know, when you come, you know, you—you you, kind of come out there with the ambition of like, oh, I want to build a business. So I want to have perhaps like uh, autonomy and, and and financial independence and whatnot. And those are all great things to go after, uh, but you can't go after them in isolation. Because if you did, you would just go and like steal stuff from people, right? Like it has to be within a greater context of actually contributing value to people. And I find that the people who have the most success are the people who, in their day-to-day actions, um, keep that front of mind. And it's like first and foremost, I want to give to others um, and in and listen to what they need. And in the act of doing that. You, you're never at the loss of two things. One, ideas for distinguishing yourself and, and, you know, actually helping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also two, um, reputation. Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally, you know, money and whatnot is actually just a, an, an abstraction or a, a credit mm-hmm. for reputation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you have a list of, you know, 5,000 people or you or even like 500 people or 100 people whatever it is 50 people what you're saying is that there's 50 people who have who have decided that they trust what I can do and what value I can provide them well enough that they're willing to listen to me and mm-hmm. hear from me and 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 sacrifice their own you know time and energy and money yeah. to to that and if you just keep if you start there Mm-hmm. and focus on that then everything comes out because then you know you reach out to benny lewis or whatever your first time around but then you reach out to people and you're like hey can you be on my podcast or whatever can you be on my thing we have an audience of x you mm-hmm. know and then all of a sudden your audience reputation itself becomes the value you offer to people yeah so just focusing on that core principle i think is underneath everything yeah do you have like some tips for people on how they can prove 
how they can have conversations with their audience it doesn't really go over email do you talk to them one-on-one -on -one, skype calls or like how do you engage with your with your followers yeah there's definitely a hierarchy of depth of engagement like um actually one of my focuses this year is actually having more sports face-to-face time with mm -hmm. people i think the this online thing kind of skewed us all in the wrong direction of you know not even looking at people in the eye anymore just texting and stuff mm -hmm. so yeah i mean the very easiest basic thing is just send an email and then read the emails back mm -hmm. or you know you know solicit feedback on your social media whatever channels you have mm -hmm. but then next above that is be like hey um i want to talk to people about blah 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 here's my calendly link mm -hmm. first person to book you know wow. the times available i'm just going to get on call with you on skype or zoom or whatever wow. that's a good and idea just yeah just listen and like i said like i it, it never occurred to me in my entire career that i've spoken to somebody within our audience and our buyer list and not walked away way wiser than when i started the call <laughs> what are some you of know? the lessons that you have learned can you give an example from talking to people yeah uh yeah i'll give you one example um it's really relevant to what we're doing right now so we're we're going to be starting like um higher ticket um, kind of coaching and and um, and um, coaching and like mastermind offerings mm -hmm. um, pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And part of the idea for that is uh, at some point last year, I just kind of tested the water on it and sent an email out, being like, "Hey, um, at, a, at a at a higher price point than I ever sold before mm -hmm. for a product." And I was like, "Hey, we're doing this thing." Like pretty vague about it, didn't give many details just to see who would be interested. Mm -hmm. And like I think like thirty people signed up for it, like right away. Um, and then I was like, I set up, I had them, as soon as they purchase, go to a Calendly link and schedule yeah. a time to talk with me. Yeah. And then I found in talking with all of them that like, um, I found that they were all, um, not all of them, but like 90% of them were of a very specific demographic in terms of career uh, and age. Uh, and I was like, huh, <laughs> I had uh, yeah. no idea. Right, and then that's going to inform now our our paid marketing because it's a very targetable demographic, uh -huh. and and it's like had I not gotten on the call, if all I had seen was like their name and email address and like you know, yeah. um, survey form or whatever, yeah. I wouldn't have noticed that. But then when I got on the call and actually hear the story of their life, and I didn't go on call and be like, tell me this, this, and this. Yeah. I just got on call and asked some very simple questions. I'm like, you know. Why? Why did you just give me this money? <laughs> you're like, yeah. what? Are you, what's your issues? What's going on in your life? Who are you? Yeah. And yeah. And then what happened was, you know, you know, when you do marketing, you need to have like a, you need to speak to a specific target, uh, you know, target market. Hmm. And exactly. target market is a very abstract concept. But so what people, what good marketers do is they they come up with an actual avatar, someone who represents that. Now you can sit there and and like twiddle your thumbs and be like, yeah, I think. My avatar, you know, Stacy. She's a stay-at-home mom, and she's just like me because I. And then people tend to like gravitate towards themselves, hmm. and uh, and then, but then if you actually talk to people and hear the stories, you're always surprised, and you're like, oh, it turns out the type of people who most resonate with what I'm doing yeah. are these type of people who I never mm -hmm. actually interact with mm -hmm. on a normal day-to-day basis. Yeah. So once again, just getting on the call in the first place, yeah. and now this year I'm taking the next level down and being like doing meetups and actual things in person so i can really get to know the people yeah that's really interesting what kind of product did that group buy from you like those 30 buyers was, was that a high ticket product is that what you said yeah it was a, high, it was a thing that that involves my direct involvement so oh, okay. it was like uh yeah all, all the things you made before were were 
courses that did not um, involve my direct involvement per se. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 our first course, people would record themselves and send them in. And then at first, I was listening to recordings and giving feedback on the pronunciation. Yeah. And then we hired other people to do it. Yeah. So we were kind of testing that out again. Mm. So, you know, I, as a personality branded business, so I knew people were willing to pay a premium to have direct interaction with me. Yeah. So that's that's what it involved. Yeah, this may be a good idea for those people who do already have language courses and want to come with a high ticket product. Um, yeah, you can always sell your time, of course, especially if you have a build, a brand, a methodology. Um, yeah, and then you will find out that some people are willing to pay a high point, a high price to work with you directly. Okay, guys. So the idea of um, talking to those thirty buyers was really to get an idea of who your best customers are. And um, yeah, what their profile is, what they want, and what else you can do to what else you could do to help them even better, right? Or to charge even more for um, for a future service. Exactly. Through the conversation, you learn more about them, what their frustrations are, you know, what they're struggling with, mm. and then through that, you start to naturally come up with more ideas for ways you can serve them. Mm-hmm. And then once you've once you've successfully tested those ways to serve them then you can start to, um, you know, charge even more money for it, systematize it. Um, so, yeah, there's this iterative process of product development where you're actually talking to people. Um, and then it's, and, and I'm, I'm learning now that before I was kind of starting bottom up and coming up with kind of courses that are more automatic with, with, with limited interaction with people and it's going off my intuition. Hmm. And that worked to a degree, but now I'm doing a more top-down approach where it's like, talk to people directly, charge a really high price for that with that minority of people who can afford and are willing to pay that much. Yeah. Um, then through them, now you're developing, co-creating something that's really tested and valuable. Yeah. Then you can use that cash to um, develop things more broad market as well as mm. um, pay for media so that more people can come in and discover you. That's that's really interesting because we often talk about creating digital courses. We do everything online, but just as you know, in the interview with Lydia, we also discussed about the power of starting offline or in this case one on one. So Lydia started with giving events, uh, giving live events, so that she could really communicate with her audience, get direct feedback, and that's also a little bit um, of what you are doing here. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. an interesting approach. Let's talk a little bit more about growth and about the Mimic method these days. Um, where does most of your traffic come from, and how have you managed to grow over, the, let's say, the last few years? In the beginning, you got you know you got the traction um, with guest posts and websites that had already a lot of traffic. Uh, what do you do these days? Um, so actually, in recent years, I was kind of stepping away from the business and developing other kind of side projects, and this had um, my one staff member kind of managing things and allowing that income to come in and just kind of collect those profits. Um, so it didn't do much to grow it. Like we just kind of got to a stable point and kept it there. Um, now, uh, but then now most recently we've restructured the organization. Um, I've hired and collaborated with people who are, uh, now I understand a bit more about just collaboration and people and types of personalities that are good at different things. Um, so my, my ideal position is not the person who like runs and manages things as much as, you know, the person who's kind of, um, zero to one coming up with new things and, and like, and, and sales and whatnot. So anyways, now that we got that all restructured, what we're doing now 
is um, what I just described to you, really, which is um, focusing on building out like that core community, doing high ticket things to generate more cash flow. And then the plan is to reinvest that heavily into into uh, paid media to grow out the base there. We're also doing a new initiative as well um, in content marketing um, that involves me like making video content, interacting with different people, putting them into flow, teaching them different stuff. So things that I actually want to do anyways is for fun because I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, like in general, the times that things did grow, it would be a combination of more outreach, getting onto different guest podcasts and guest posts. Um, the, uh, certain, you know, we, we would put a couple of posts up that would eventually kind of rank organically, though that was never a huge part of our business as it could have been. Um, and, oh, and then also product launches. That was the main thing. So Jeff Walker is a internet marketer and he has this thing called the product launch formula. So I discovered that a few years ago and then, um, applied and that and adapted that technique. And the idea there is basically, um, you, uh, I like making new products. So you, you make, you talk to people, get an idea for a product you want to make, and then you do this kind of like three to five week process of building anticipation mm-hmm. around the launch of that product in both your current list, but then also other people's lists as well. So mm-hmm. that things can, um, so that is an event based kind of marketing, but online. Yeah. And what that would do is kind of drum up buzz and then yeah. capitalize on that psychological trigger of anticipation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you go to my website or you come to any website and there's a thing already there to purchase, yeah. you might say, oh, okay, this is interesting. I'll come back later and get it. Mm-hmm. But if you come on and it's like, you know, for a limited time at this specific moment in time, three weeks out, this big thing's going to happen and you have that one shot to get it. Yeah. What that does is it kind of organizes people's attention more mm-hmm. and concentrates their intention more. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up making more than if you would having it on passively. So I got really good at that technique as well as um, it was during those years as well. The the main skill set I developed that really leveled up the business from, you know, one level of size to like, you know, six figures and, and, and beyond mm-hmm. is, um, is sales copywriting. Yeah. So, um, really learning how to tell a story and how to how to really think from the customer's point of view and what their pain points are and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Before, I was very technical in my language. I was like, the phonetic infrastructure, that one, you know, and, and then now I'm, um, yeah, now I'm just, just way more intuitive, but just being able to think about how do you present things in a way that is actually appealing and meaningful to the people who you want to influence. Yeah. Um, wrapping that up with like some product launch formulas that was that was very uh successful for us Mm -hmm. yeah i think there are a few important things here so first of all idasa also spoke at the language influencer summit that we organized um, in march last year and idasa actually talked about product launches was one of the uh, most liked talks so yeah if you want to come up with a new product um then make sure to check out jeff walker and he has a very um, I would say powerful formula to launch new products. And yeah, then also Idasa also mentioned copywriting and that we haven't talked a lot about copywriting yet here on the podcast. But um, yeah, Idasa, talk a little bit about the importance of, of writing good copy. What, what is copywriting and why is it so important? 
Yeah, so copywriting as opposed to like other forms of writing is just um is you know, so you read like an airplane magazine or whatever and they're selling like a you know, a face mask or whatever, and then you're reading the you're reading the text and it's like experience calm and serenity as you you know, whatever. Like that's that's a form of copywriting. But essentially copywriting is um writing with the intention to uh, influence or persuade someone towards a purchase. Um, and um, so it's a different form of writing than like just kind of writing a newspaper editorial or, or, or just writing like a whatever. Um, so there's different techniques in terms of understanding the psychology of influence and of buying and um, persuasion and motivation and all that kind of stuff. So that, knowledge is kind of baked into your into your writing now there's definitely a dark art element to it that i I think i kind of fell into at one point but you've come out of um so you want to i don't know what i encourage people now is the most important thing is always to be authentic and honest in your communication uh and and then combine that with a sort of empathy so understanding from a customer empathy point of view um but yeah, you know, for example, I'm helping my brother out with something right now for his, he's trying to sell something online and, uh, online course. And he sent me the, the landing page for a webinar sign up. And the, you know, one, one thing he was doing, it's a very common mistake that new people will do is, uh, presenting the features or like descriptions of what the webinar is versus focusing on the benefits um so from his i think he's you know he's doing stuff with like artificial intelligence and for he's selling stuff to like the, um you know people in that space and like the the headline so when you click away from you know your facebook or your whatever you know cat videos to come to that page mm-hmm. with your very very limited amount of attention and um and the first thing you see is the headline and his headline is was like a 60 minute uh, seminar on console <laughs> inference modeling and like, you know, and it's like, it was just describing what he was going <laughs> to do it in is, it, yeah. you know? And so I told him, I was like, like, who are the people you expect to buy this stuff? What is their problem? I said, like, you should sit down and write this down. Like, hmm. you know, give that guy a name, like, you know, Carl the coder. And he's like, what is he? Is like Carl the coder. I'm Carl the coder and I want to do X, but I can't because I suffer with problem you know why and this makes me feel emotion negative emotion see right and then like just write down a bunch of bullet points like those and then your headline should be like you know uh achieve dream x without experiencing the frustration y you know in 60 minutes or less you know so what you've done is you made a promise that immediately communicates why emotionally why this person would even waste their time attending this, spend their time attending this thing. Um, so that, that's an example of switching from how people would normally write, which is just kind of focusing on themselves and describing what it is that they know what they're going to do as an expert to a more empathic way of being like, why is this person even getting out of their bed to do anything in the first place? What problems do they have? What's mm-hmm. the, what's the better future they're trying to walk into? Um, if I'm able to provide that, how do I communicate that directly in a way that's evocative that mm-hmm you know, pops up in their, in, in their mind and their imagination, like, Oh, yeah. this, this guy's reminding me of my dreams and 
and apparently all I got to do is click this button and then I'll be one step closer to it. You know? Yeah. So guys, if you want to learn more or if you guys want to sell products online, if you just want to convince people, persuade people uh, in writing, then you have to learn copywriting, which can be very useful for, for example, writing sales page, sales pages, opt-in pages or emails. And Idasa just gave, uh, just shared a very useful exercise that you can do before you start writing your copy um yeah well well we uh we covered a lot of things here in this interview there's one last topic i wanted to talk about because i know that you're a big fan of learning but how do you learn about online business like have you attended are you do you have like mentors or do you go to events how do you learn all these things uh yeah i mean i do all those things you just mentioned um i have i have uh you know a mentor i have people i pay for uh, coaching. Um, I'm part of different entrepreneur groups of people who are very successful and, you know, way kind of above me in different ways. Mm-hmm. So similar to how I, you know, flew to Columbia to be next to Fabian because he was further along in the progression. Yeah. I invest heavily in spending lots of time with people who are, you know, way above me and in the uh, way further along on the, on the path that I'm trying to walk. And, um, and then the way I kind of approach stuff right now in my life is I'll take time, you know, the top of the year, quarter, whatever period of planning period of time. And I'll kind of, actually what I do now is I sit and I kind of reflect on the people that I'm finding myself admiring. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty cool because he started this charity or this guy's, wow, this guy really built a company and a team that loves him in the culture. And I I, got to write down those names and then I kind of write down like, what are these people doing? Um, These actions that they're doing that uh are causing this generating this admiration in me whoa um and then this is this is fundamentally what the mimic method is about and it's like okay pay attention to those people and then mimic them right so um i look at that i say ah the reason why i'm admiring these people is because they're that's my highest self beckoning to me through them so a quick example for right now is I mean, I was like, I found myself obsessing over these YouTube, this YouTube channel last, um, like last, uh, winter or, you know, in like November, December, it's called Storer, S-T-O-R-R-O-R. Um, and it's like these like six, like British, like young British cats, like doing parkour around the world. And they have like these like GoPro videos that are like jumping across rooftops in Hong Kong and it's just like badass. And I was like, man, this is, and I just kept watching it and I sat down like, why am I so obsessed with this? And then I realized, I was like, ah, it's because what they're doing is they're like pushing their limits with their, with their friends, you know, and, you know, going on adventures with their friends. And I realized, I was like, yeah, like, you know, I haven't spent lots of time with like my closest friends because they're all scattered around the world. And, um, and like, and when I do spend with friends, we're just kind of hanging out. What I really want to do is jump across rooftops (laughs) and not not so much that, but like do like risky stuff and adventure stuff with them. Uh, so then I'm like, boom, all right that's my goal. I want to start this business with this person. I want to do this and that. Mm. Um, so now I just kind of articulate that vision. Um, mm. Then instead of trying to, I don't know how to get there. What the hell do I know? Obviously I don't know cause I'm not there yet. Then I just express that vision to people who might know about it. And then I ask them like, I just ask them like, uh, uh, Hey, you have experience, some experience with this. Uh, how do you reckon? How do you suggest I go about getting here? And then from there, a bunch of action steps start to generate themselves, mm. right? 
Um, yeah. you know, and then you go to this business conference, or you talk to this mentor, or you talk to this person in your network, you put out this Facebook post. And then through that, you finally get to a point where you're like, all right, now I have a plan. I don't know it's going to work. You know, I have the Jeff Walker product formula or I have my friend Sachit's like marketing advice plan. Um, let me just commit to making it happen mm-hmm. and then see what happens. And then yeah. you just do it. So the, the ultimate question, answer to your question is you learn, you learn business by doing business, yeah. you know. Uh, it's, so, like, it's like learning a language, yeah. right? You can learn the theory, but eventually same you thing. need to speak. Exact same thing. He's got to do it, live it, and then you'll start to develop your own insights, and then you just repeat the process. Yeah. So, can you give one more example of you know the strategy that you've been le- that you've been using to learn new skills in business? Like, which kind of like business personalities out there have you do you admire, and how or have you admired in the past, and how did you manage to pick up some of the skills that you admire them for? Yeah, let me think uh, from business. Um, well, okay, I'll give you one. Um, should we think of an example of business-wise? Uh, that's um, a tricky question, huh? May, or maybe, well, it just, yeah. Well, it's interesting because um, from a business point of view, um, the, all right, so, you know, from, from a business marketing point of view, I, I just have people in my network now as a result of going to different events and mm-hmm. meeting people and offering them value. Mm-hmm. Where now I can literally just be like, I want to do this. How do you suggest I do it? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, talk to this person, do this. So it's actually quite easy now. Once you have, yeah. once you have a mentor network or people who are further along than you in the path, yeah, you're just like, this is what I want to do. What are your thoughts? It's like, oh yeah, I actually know the best guy in the world that does that thing. Mm-hmm. Here's a meeting with him. I'm like, okay, yeah. easy. <laughs> and then you know, you just do it. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting actually because one major shift I've had recently is recognizing that the term business had been constricting me this mm-hmm. past few years, mm-hmm. where I was like. Oh, I guess to be a businessman, I should be doing this and that. And that's not really my core identity. Mm-hmm. I'm more of like a circus performer than I am a businessman. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then, so someone I really strongly admire is this guy, uh, Ido Portel. Mm-hmm. He's a, um, he's like this, he's started this thing called the movement. He's like a movement coach. He trains like Conor McGregor on this stuff, but he's just very like acrobatic movement guy, very cerebral, but, physical at the same time I, I, I admire him a lot for different things mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I was looking at what he did and he doesn't have an online course actually he doesn't mm-hmm. do anything uh, of a sort he doesn't even, he refuses to write a book or have anything in a, any kind of physical form because the stuff he teaches you need to be in person and like learn it like the old school way mm-hmm. so what he does is he throws these events um, these training workshops around the world uh, and then people come he's like you know he's very well known as a high reputation and then people come and train, pay like you know lots of money, and um, you know just apprentices and all that kind of good stuff. And he's he started the movement, and then I realized like, oh, actually, that's more in line of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying mm. to start a movement with mm. stuff that I'm interested in. Yeah. So once I realized that, I started to move away from the thinking of like, how do I make an online course that's passive and I can you know mm. run a bunch of ads and make it to more being like, how do I build a community around these ideas that I'm that I'm passionate about and, mm-hmm. and get people to actually live them and embody them yeah. in person. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking at those and then emulating. I want to go to one of those events actually and then you know and, and learn from them, look at other people who are running activation events. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our major goals this year is to do that type of thing yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then once again, I go to my mentor network and yeah. I know people there who run events and I'm like, who's your event planner? <laughs> yeah, Give me their contact and, and then mm-hmm. you just run from there, you know? 
Cool. So you have a mental network. What would you suggest for like entrepreneurs who are just starting out there and who also want to build a mental network? Like which um, which events ha have really helped you building this network? Can you share a few of the uh, of the events that have helped you in uh, your business? Yeah, let me think. Uh, I mean, the first the first uh, you know I told you before the only person I knew who was doing the kind of lifestyle I wanted was Fabian. Um, and then like a, a year or two after hanging out with him, I uh, became aware of uh, the Dynamite Circles back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And they had a conference out in um, Bangkok that I went to. And that was my first time actually in my life, really, where mm -hmm. I was surrounded by so many people who thought similar to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so that became my friend network. Um, and then that kind of put me more deeply ensconced in this kind of business thinking role, which I'd never been in before. Yeah. Um, and then later on, I w would c become aware of other events and attend and then meet people. So so now I'm involved in like different kind of more higher level mastermind groups um, where, you know, there's people who have like hundred million dollar businesses and whatnot. And um, yeah, and like, um, and then, yeah, th things get real when you get there. Uh, and then, yeah, but once again, just putting, once you meet those people and just putting it out there and be like, hey, uh, do you do mentoring or coaching or, it's, it's kind of hard. I'm not, I'm not sure it's really like a, a really like a concrete plan. What I, but the, the, es the essence of it really is kind of, um, paying attention to the people you admire and then just placing yourself next to them. Um, and then I, I'll give you a quick example, actually. Uh, one, the one person I greatly admired for the past several years is uh, Jordan Peterson. So I became aware of his work, like, like several, right. like, I guess, 2017 or whatever. Yeah. And, and then I supported him on Patreon. And then, um, and then last year, there was this thing where it was like, hey, uh, we're doing this course on personality, and um, we're looking for people to be in the audience. And uh, he's got to be in Toronto by this day. And mm -hmm. I was like, screw it. I'll fly out to Toronto. So I emailed him, I got accepted, and then I flew up to Toronto, and then I'm like in this group for this video thing, and then um, and I actually even get to, to, to talk to Peterson there because he was busy doing the thing, well, but the guy who organized the event, I started talking to him, and then we got to talking about all like, you know, the full program, and I was like, oh yeah, well I work on this and that, and he's like, oh cool, and then like a month later he reached out to me like, hey, I'm part of this group here, and they're looking for people to do speakers, um, would you like to do it? So then I got paid a bunch of money to go speak at this event, and then another event came, and now and that guy's like a big market, uh, big dude in, in in media and whatnot. Mm. So the point I'm making is that the point I'm making is that uh, just by following the rule of like sacrifice and invest, sacrifice time and money and energy and, and invest to place yourself next to the people you want to be like, and then look for opportunities to like contribute value to them. Yeah. If you just keep repeating that, it's a more of a spiritual kind of way of living. Yeah. But if you do it, like everyone I know who does that, things just work out nicely. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I think that was a, a beautiful quote to end this interview with. Do you have any last suggestions for people building an online business or online language business? Um, yeah. Any last tips, recommendations? Any last words for this interview? Last words? <laughs> yeah, I'd say, you know, the way I think about things now is you just want to stay in flow. And the way you do that is really getting across the impact barrier. So think about the next thing you're trying to achieve. So whatever stage you are in your development, 
if there is a movie written that's told about you or a story told about you, you know, what were the major scenes so far? And what would be the next major scene? Maybe it's you getting your first sale and, and being excited, or maybe it's you like putting together your first in-person event, or, or maybe it's just you like sending an email out to this guest post or, or, or running out into the street and testing your technique on the first, uh, student or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just think about what the next or what the next scene is in that story. Um, and then really visualize it and then go after it. And the way I think about life now is that it's, it's a story and like action with a bunch of commercial breaks where you just buy and eat stuff, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and like, so if you haven't had any action in your story yet, think about what that next action is. And it's probably in the direction of what you're afraid to do. So be honest about that. And then if you just keep doing the scary thing every day, then, then once again, things play, play out very nicely. Great. Idasa, thank you very much for making the time and getting on the podcast here today. Um, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.